Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on guys? Welcome back to Dime Dropper. After a couple days off, we are back with our 24-minute recap number 82. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on all platforms at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow us on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. And Instagram if I didn't say that one. So for tonight's episode, we're going to probably go maybe the distance, maybe around 20 minutes. We're going to talk about the game that occurred tonight. The Clippers coming up with breaking their three-game losing streak, 105-100 to against the Toronto Raptors. And then we're going to talk about the Lakers' win last night against the Denver Nuggets and their recent injury situations. And we, were, we will give our flowers to one Russell Westbrook, who has completely revived a dime-dropper team from the beginning of the season. Let's start with the Clips. We were playing against the Toronto Raptors tonight, and we were down, you know, three games in a row. Kyle Lowry rested tonight. Back tightness. I don't want to hear it. I just watched him drop 37 points against the Lakers. Clearly, the Toronto Raptors have thrown in the towel this season, and they don't care to make the playoffs. That's what I'm seeing. The way they played, you would think differently. But if Kyle Lowry played tonight, could they have won that game? I think they would have had a better chance. And, yeah, so I think they would have had a better chance. So, tonight we got good news, Clipper Nation. Patrick Beverly back in the lineup. He has missed over half the season with various injuries. This one was a fracture to his finger, I believe. So, to have Pat Bev back is always good, especially a couple games before the playoffs so he can kind of gain some form back, gain some rhythm. The way we started the game, though, not horrendous, but the Raptors were just one step quicker than us, one step more lively than us, a step more aggressive, and they were hitting their shots. I thought the Nick Nurse strategy of taking the ball out of Kawhi's hands worked really well. It got him really out of sync, and it, it got him to be less hungry. He wasn't looking for a shot. He was kind of more comfortable letting other guys go. And every single screen at the top, with whether it was Paul George or Kawhi handling the ball, they would throw two at him. Hedge and recover for Zoo to roll. And a lot of those times on those short rolls, Zoo doesn't doesn't slip quick enough, you know, for me. Like Draymond and Green is probably the best in the NBA. That quick slip, you know, on a pick and pop, he gets, or yeah, quick slip, he gets the ball, and then he makes the four on three read. That's what he does best. Zoo, he's a little slower. He's not as good with the ball. He still can make those reads, but he needs to slip a little bit quicker. And I think that Kawhi also made a poor pass in the second quarter uh, that we, we got punished on those short rolls. And I thought that the, the Raptors were just really good in this game. I thought that it was interesting. In the beginning, they were just making everything. I mean, Siakam was hitting some tough floaters. Fred Van Vliet had an amazing night, but he's just a really good player. 27 points and 13 assists for FVV, 10 of 24 from the field, and 5 of 14 from three. Both him and Siakam each played 40-plus minutes. Van Vliet with 41, Pascal with 42. Pascal finished with 24 points and seven boards. He also had three steals to go along with his shooting percentage of, or his shooting numbers of 10 
of 24 from the field. Overall, though, I'd say, yeah, so Yuto Watanabe hit two open threes. Gillespie, or Gillespie, I don't even know how you say his, his name, came out, came in and got a putback dunk in the late first quarter or early second quarter. The Clippers were down by four after one, and the reason why we were only down by four, despite the fact that Toronto played so well in that first quarter, was because Marcus Morris Sr. was aggressive. He was getting in his areas, in that mid-post area, getting to his mid-range, and Paul George was being hella aggressive. You know, he was not shooting threes in the beginning of that game. He was going straight downhill to the basket. And if you guys listen to my show regularly, you know that's what I like to see from him. Because even though he doesn't get calls, you need to keep putting pressure on the officials. You need to keep going to the basket. And that's what he did. And he was he set the tone for us, in my opinion. But something a little different was because Paul had two fouls and because Kawhi is still on a slight minute restriction, we went with a total bench unit in that second quarter. And what I mean by total bench is no staggering of Kawhi and Paul George. Not one of them in the lineup at this at all times. They were both on the bench. We went with the lineup that I really liked in terms of personnel. But they haven't played together before. DeMarcus Cousins at the 5, Nick Batum at the stretch 4, and then Terrence Rondo and Bev. And I thought that Terrence was very quiet. I thought that the defense was sagging off of him a lot, especially with Rondo in the game. So having two guys with... And, and Terrence has really improved his three ball. They just didn't respect it. And Rondo, in my opinion tonight, wasn't very good. He was minus 12. I think he still did some great things. You know, he still had five assists. He still had three steals. I still think he had some nice plays in transition, some nice finds. But he turned the ball over way too much. I thought he dribbled too much. I thought that when Kawhi came back into the game in that second quarter when we were down like four or five points, I thought that Rondo didn't look to get him involved enough. And this is a guy, Kawhi, who had only shot like twice in that first quarter. I think it's our, I think it's the job of somebody as good as Rajan to look to get Kawhi going. But, you know, I thought he was just dribbling a little too much. Just, you know, and, and here's the thing about, about Rajan is that he needs to keep the defense honest. You know what I'm saying? When he gets the ball in a kickout, he's passing up too many shots. He's not as bad of a shooter as sometimes he thinks and other people think. He needs to keep getting shots up, though. I want him to have the mentality that catch and shoot. You know what I'm saying? Because he's really, honestly, has improved his shot. And I honestly always thought that he has slept on his own jumper a little bit. And he hasn't even been bad since he's been on the Clippers. I mean... He's shooting 37% from three this regular season. I'll take that. I mean, that's not that much worse than certain other guys on our team. I just think that when he catches the ball and the defense is closing out hard or somewhat hard or kind of just, they want him to shoot the three essentially. Um, But when, you know, when guys like Kawhi and Paul draw attention and then he's not catching and shooting, it hurts. You know, you want to see... Rajan, keep the defense honest. Patrick Beverly, though, I thought he had a really solid return offensively. Eight points, three of five from the field, and two of three from three. He even had a nice floater contested on the run. That was not an easy shot. He didn't really get too many opportunities or too many minutes to kind of gain his Patrick Beverly type of rhythm back on the defensive end. Um, I appreciate you, Intel Wild, for the donation. But going into the half, down six... I didn't. I just didn't like the, the the lack of urgency, so to speak. And one thing I will say also, I thought Boogie was really good, at least on offense. I thought that he was posting up, and I thought it was he was doing good things. Seven points, three of four, so very efficient. My thing also was with Reggie Jackson in the first half is that he thought he was Damian Lillard. He just kept chucking, and I know he's been unbelievable shooting the ball this season, but 
yeah, I mean, he's shooting freaking 44% from three. I mean, that's got to be one of the highest in the league for that many attempts. But, you know, I thought he was jumping the gun a little bit too much tonight. And, you know, sometimes when Rondo or Kawhi kicks it out to you, it's tempting to shoot it right away. But sometimes we have more time on the shot clock. You got to relax. And I thought that there was, you know, some possessions. And Rondo and, Ro and Reggie both do this. I'm more comfortable with Re Rondo doing it because his decision-making is better. But there are times sometimes where they, they take 14 seconds to get into our set. If we're just going to do a simple high pick and roll, can we just do that within like the first six, seven seconds? I know there's a lot of misdirection, but let's get into our stuff quick. Because when you do that, and then Kawhi gets a switch or something, and you want to give him the ball, and he's got four seconds to work, that's just putting him in a very difficult situation. And I think Reggie did that once tonight. But let's go to the second half, where I thought we picked up our intensity a good amount. Especially on defense, we were just a little more aggressive getting over screens. And I thought that our ball movement was a little better. Less Reggie hot-dogging stuff. Just more quick movement of the ball. A little bit swifter decisions by Zubats. He even went up strong for some dunks in the second half. That's what I like. He got the ball in that short roll. And he was like, no one's in front of me. No one's going to pick me up. They're all going to worry about Batum and Reggie and the shooters. Let me just go in and throw it down. And he did that a couple times, and I really like that. Eight points for Zoo on 4-6 from the field. Plus 21, which was our highest, but he was not our best player. That's why you can't fully look at plus minus all the time. But he did have a solid impact. I thought that Marcus Morris Sr., though, was probably our best player. Just because he was so consistent throughout the game and making shots, even in that third quarter, you know, you Marcus Morris Sr. off the catch. How many times do I have to say it? You know, he gets the ball. He not only can hit the shot with a tight closeout or a good contest, he can pump fake and take you and step into that mid-range game. He can get and here's the thing about senior. I love the areas in which he operates, that mid-post. But Kawhi tonight, in my opinion, was way too hesitant. Way too hesitant because they're double teaming. Listen. Double teaming is not an excuse. When you have the ball at the top of the key and they're double teaming you, yes, I understand. You want to get rid of the ball. But the reason why Michael Jordan and Kobe, especially Jordan, was so unstoppable and why Kareem is so unstoppable is because guys that have post game like a Kawhi, you can bring the double from either side. Unless you bring a triple and sandwich him, you can turn over either shoulder. That's the beauty of the post game. And I think that Kawhi too often, and Marcus Morris Sr. was doing exactly that. And, you know, he's not going to get the same attention as a Kawhi, but hypothetically, there were times where they were like, they're about to cheat and Sr.'s like, if you don't, here's the thing with those type of guys. You can't just hey, or shade or just sit there because with guys like a Jordan or a Kobe or that have that turnaround, if you don't fully commit to a double team, it's a one-on-one -on -one situation. You can be standing behind your man, you're, you know, ready to help. Ready to help doesn't cut it when guys pull over you. So Kawhi, in my opinion, he was just too, we need him to be our best player to win the championship. I want him to shoot 15 to 20 shots a game in these last couple of games. I mean, let's see how many games we have left. Six. He needs to get a lot of shots up. Because here's my thing. I understand he wants to keep Paul George comfortable. He wants Paul to be in the best mental state and best confidence state that he could possibly be in. At the same time, Paul is not reliable. And we know this. And Kawhi needs to... I know he's just come back. I know it's his second game back. But he played how many minutes tonight? 33. Six shots. I know the defense was good. I'm not saying that he could have gotten 15-plus tonight. Maybe he wasn't that night. You know, he made the right reads. I thought Kawhi made the right play more often than not tonight. And I think that in the fourth quarter, Nick Batum, you know, three of six from him, one of four from the three-point line, but a big steal and a dunk. In that fourth, he had seven points. But it was really Paul George that shut the door. And I thought Paul was, 
You know, he slowed down after that first quarter where he was going to the basket. But Paul with a huge three on an extra swing by, I think it was Reggie Jackson. And then Kawhi kick out to Reggie Jackson. And there were often times tonight where Kawhi or Boogie or Senior, mostly Kawhi and Boogie though, or and Paul George, would get double teamed. And we are either not passing quick enough or somebody is not cutting uh, from the weak side. You know, and it's, it's too easy for defenses to play two guys on the perimeter. I talked about this before. So... We need to make sure that we keep moving without the ball. But we need to keep sure we need to make sure we keep moving it quick, especially guys like Reggie. He really, for my liking, holds on to it too long, and I'd rather have a Canard. But at the same time, here's my thing. My one concern is this: we've had so much in and out, and now we have Boogie, who's been great, and we don't know what's going on with Surge. We are not gonna have any type of set rotation going into the playoffs. And that concerns me a little bit. But when you look at the competition and you look at the field and you look at Jamal Murray's out and you look at Lakers and all the problems that they've had, you feel a little bit more confident. But when you look at Phoenix and Utah, they've been very, very, you know, consistent with just their lineups and having the same players over and over again to kind of learn each other's tendencies and haven't had too much in and out. So that's the one thing with them is their chemistry is, is, is significantly higher in my opinion. I'm not saying ours isn't high, but we've just had so much in and out. Now Patrick Beverly's back. Like, what are we going to do? Ty said after the game, he's going to choose game time decision it. Who's starting between Reggie and Bev in the playoffs? To me, if this is a league where you can do that and get away with it, by all means. But... I've never seen that work before. I've never seen somebody go into a, into a playoffs without a set. I mean, here's the thing. We saw the Lakers tinker with it last year in the bubble a little bit. And then, eh, that's, I mean, you know what? Maybe in the last couple of years, it's shifted a bit. I mean, you had games with the Warriors where they had started JaVale sometimes. They start Looney. And then sometimes maybe they wouldn't even start either. But I don't know. I'm more comfortable with a set unit. But... We will see, man. We will see. I thought it was a good win. I thought Paul George... Oh, yeah. I can't forget about this huge charge he took at the end of the game after he made his three. So, Paul George with some... And we got to give him his flowers when he closes out games because we always give him shit when he fucks up. So, Paul George was awesome down the stretch tonight. He really made the big plays to get us over the hump and get us a win that we kind of really didn't really deserve much. I thought Toronto was really good, but we shut him down in the fourth. They only scored 18 points, and I thought that... Paul George, I thought, really led that charge, in my opinion. Um, 105-100 is the final. My Clippers bounce back. They move on to 25-9 at home, 44-22 on the season, which puts us half a game above the Nugs for third place. And if the playoffs started today, we'd be facing the old hallway neighbors. And speaking of the Devils, let's go to them now, the Lakers. Winning last night by a score of 93-89 to to the Denver Nuggets. It was one of their best wins, in my opinion, of the season. I think it's the closest Anthony Davis has looked to his uh, old self since he's come back. He had 26 points, I believe, or 25 points. 25 points on 9 of 19 from the field. I watched this game. I thought that Jokic got off to a good start. But after that, I think the Lakers did a very solid job on him, especially the man who changed the entire game late in that second quarter, 
Mark Gasol. I think it's quite evident now, ladies and gentlemen, Andre Drummond is sad in terms of like his basketball talent. Like, bro has no skill. His fundamentals are really ass. His footwork is choppy as hell. He his finishing is trash. His lateral movement is poor. He's slow in the pick and roll. He has poor defensive awareness. He's just a good for the occasional block, and he's a good rebounder, and he's a bruiser. But I don't really know if that's good for the Lakers because Anthony Davis, we've talked about this several times, Anthony Davis, he becomes too much of a perimeter player when he's playing with a an interior big. And that is not good in my opinion, for AD, because despite the fact that he's got those guard skills and he can hit 18-footers and and threes, every single team is okay with Anthony Davis shooting 18-footers or beyond. They are totally chill with that because he's not dominating. He's not getting to the free-throw line from there. So it's not a problem. Everybody's okay with Drummond. Everybody's okay. And that's the thing. Why did the Lakers rock the boat so much? And here's my thing. Damian Jones was sitting there and he was the most more athletic rim protector kind of guy that they've had this season and I think that you know Marcus is not perfect he is fairly slow-footed at this stage of his career he's not great when you pull him into space however I think that Laker fans were looking too much at the fact that the team isn't perfect maybe not as good as last year and not realizing that maybe they were still the best team in the league and Marcus I think was slighted because of that. And I think people slept on the fact of all the good things he did. And I say this all the time. You guys listen to my show. You cannot substitute basketball brains. You know what I'm saying? Unless you're to the point where you are just incapable of playing in terms of your physical fitness and skill level and age. If you can get on the court and hold your own, if you got that IQ, you are way more valuable than a guy that can put up great numbers or put up, or looks fancy and has a ton of skill. This fool Marcus Saul came in and changed the game. Not just with his threes, with his ability to... He kind of was in that Jokic role for a sec. Getting the ball at the top of the key and everybody cutting off of him. Because he can thread the needle. And he was able to... You know, one thing I like about Mark is he gets the rebound. Old school, Bill Russell style. Look up, let's go. You know, outlet passes. And he just plays the right way. And on defense, he's smart. He doesn't... First of all, this fool Drummond, I said he was bad in the pick and roll. He was getting cooked in the post too. Like, fools don't know how to guard the... They see a good post defender nowadays and they just don't know what to do. And his canter. <laughs> These guys don't know how to guard in the post, bro. I knew that when we had DeAndre Jordan. Anytime he'd gone up against a skilled center, cooked. And that fool was first team all defense. That's what showed you that we're in, we were in the worst era of big men ever. I honestly think we're, we're getting into a slightly better era because of Jokic and Embiid um, being so good. Like best center since Shaq for me. And Jokic was just ridiculous in the Clipper game. But the Lakers, because of Gasol, he was able to be physical with him. He has a similar body type. And he was able to push him sometimes further away from the basket and just put a hand up and make life tough for him. And honestly, is Montrader, like he only got 10 minutes. And here's the thing. I said that the key for for playing around Montrader was because was um, going to be key for Vogel to figure out if they wanted to succeed with him long term. However, is Drummond much better? Like, because Montrader has more skill than Drummond. Like, way more. Like, Montrader, he actually has low post moves. He has really solid touch around the basket. He's elite finisher. Like, I, I honestly think that as much as, you know, all the stuff I say about him, like, he could adapt to any era of basketball. Like, he could play. 
Like, he can finish. He's relentless. He has the motor. Uh, I just don't know if the... I know his defense is bad, but, like, Drummond has a little more size, but if I'm a Laker fan, I don't know about how I feel about Montrader's minutes getting sacrificed for this guy. I think the, this just goes to show another reputation of name over game. And the game... And here's the thing. This guy's 0-8 in the playoffs, and it's not coincidental. I know he wasn't supposed to beat LeBron. I wasn't supposed to beat Giannis. But the fact that you couldn't get one game... And those games were close, mind you, against Cleveland. He's just like... And I saw him against Bro uh, Milwaukee in 2019. He was terrible. He couldn't score around the rim. It was ridiculous. And against better defenses, I'm telling you, like that's probably going to happen. I think that, as I said, when the second the Lakers picked him up, the best pick, reason, the, the best um, move, the best thing that came out of the Drummond move was if they play Brooklyn because they literally lack that bruiser unless they play with DeAndre which would be interesting. But anyway, a great win for the Lakers. I thought that, you know, no Dennis Schroeder, but Caruso made a ton of big plays. AD had a huge block at the end of the game against Facundo Campaso. And I think that, guys, that guy, keep an eye out for him, Faku, because he's going to make a fucking dirty play in the playoffs. I can see it already, bro. He's got that in him where he's going to, like, cheap shot the fuck out of someone. I can see it. Just, just, just know that you heard it here first. Anyway, uh, who else? AD did his thing. Um, THT was good. Wes Matthews, extremely streaky, but last night you got the better, the best side of him. Three of three from the field and two of three from three. So a good win for the Lakers, 93 to 89. But the problem is LeBron James is out for two more games. They're playing us next. We got to win that game. No excuse to lose to the Lakers without LeBron. But this guy's not going to get that many games, man. Like, this is going to be tough. This is going to be really tough. I would still put my money on the Lakers in the first round against... If they are if they play anybody but us. If they're playing us, I would not put my money on them. Just because you know why? It's the first round. And because the Clippers are don't have a first round curse, we have a second round curse. And I believe that we beat the Lakers in the first round. I really would. Because they're not... You can't... LeBron, he can come back against the Damian Lillard when he's, when he's uh, you know, five games before the playoffs. Not Kawhi, Paul George, Nick Batum, Ty Lue, Rondo. You can't. You can't. I just don't believe so. And you know what? He can make me eat my words if we play. But again, I still don't think something is going to happen in which we don't play because 36 years of history is on my side. I have a feeling that the 37th year will stand true at least for the first round, but you never know. And honestly, I wouldn't, I don't want to care at this point. Let's just go for it. Let's just go for it. Jugular. If we lose, we lose. And then my, <laughs> I don't know what kind of mental state I would be in, but we'll see. Anyway, I want to close this show out before we go to the live subscribers and we're going to talk about um Russell Westbrook real quick this guy has done a lot of great things in his career he's averaged a triple double three times this now is going to be the fourth but this season with Washington may be his greatest accomplishment of all because guys like me and many other people I was giving up on this team. Even my Wizards fan friends, Wizards suck. Let's just tank. We were done. I said that this team, like, I was like, there's the injury problems. Rui Hachimura is always out. Thomas Bryant tore his ACL. Westbrook did not look like himself in the beginning of the season. Now we found out he had a torn quad the whole time. And Bradley Beal was starting to get disinterested with the fact that he was just putting up 30 points and it didn't really matter. It wasn't really scaring anybody. Everybody's like, okay, we're going to let Brad get his 30 coming off picks and, you know, do a little occasional pick and roll pull-ups, but it's not going to affect the game much. 
and we had the whole free Beal stuff happening, and you know, you saw Beal start to pout and start to whine a little bit, and he started to look like he was going to succumb to the outside pressure and maybe request a trade. And Scott Brooks has been so bad, and then Russell Westbrook took that hiatus, and he completely. I heard that rumor or about how he had a team meeting, and he was like, "Guys, like we're we're all gonna, you know, things are gonna start changing around here," and. He has backed it up. This is pure pride and heart. You know what? Russ may never win a championship. I probably don't think he will. But you know what? I will always respect the fact that he is going to give it his all no matter what. And in the beginning of the season, it didn't look like that. And it's clearly because he was injured. He took that time off. He has given 110% to revive this team. I said I was going to stop talking about them because they're done. I admittedly and happily admit to being wrong on this one. Russell Westbrook is taking this team to that play-in game. And you know what? He could lose. It does not matter because he made sure he said, you know what? I'm going to be in the playoffs or play-in. I'm not going to be sitting at home watching on TV with Bradley Beal on my team and just let people say that I didn't even make the play-in with Bradley Beal. With Throughout all the circumstances, the terrible defensive personnel, the bad coaching, the injuries to various players, he has put on a historic, historic run over the last month or two and he refused to go down. That is why Westbrook is a legend. That is why he will always be one of my favorite players. And that is why he is always somebody you should show your kids. And just that is what I'm talking about. Pride in you, what you do. Russell Westbrook, man. And Stephen A has been taking very unfair shots at him this season. Look, we know what Russell Westbrook is at this stage of his career. We're not comparing him to Steph. We're not comparing him to Chris Paul. But... To take teams to places, to take them to the playoffs, to carry a group of guys, maybe when you don't have the most talent on your team. There are a few guys in this league that you would take over Russell Westbrook, and there are a few guys in this league that play with the same intensity as Russell Westbrook on a year-in, year-out basis, and I think we need to cherish him for what he is. That's it for me tonight, guys. We're going to go to the live subscribers now with Super Chats turned on.